you guys. If you come back next week, you'll find out what happened at the mall. <clears throat> you know, when uh, we were taking a little time earlier to put these stars up on the wall, and uh, people were apologizing for taking too much time, you know, that's the real thing. Uh, I get up here and I talk about it, but someone has said talk is cheap. And so it's really important that not only do we talk about and think about the good news, but that we actually have people going out and sharing the good news and actually seeing real people's lives changed. So uh, I want to thank those who were involved in just about doubling our stars today. And uh, I was thinking, you know, it's about time we get some more stars up. And so let's just continue to uh, pray that, that God would work. I've heard a, a lot of fish stories in my day. And, uh, the one we're going through in Jonah is a pretty big one. I, I have a lot of fish stories, by the way. I did a lot of fishing as a kid. I used to go to my grandma's for six weeks in the summer, and we fished all day long. And uh, so I could tell you a lot of stories. I read, the closest I ever got to Jonah and the whale was my cousin and I were fishing, and he, he pulled up a big bluegill. And I don't know if you know this, but fish go to the bathroom. I hate to ruin the lakes lakes swimming for a lot of you. You know, you're concerned about somebody in the water. Let me tell you, there are thousands of fish going to the bathroom every water, every day, in the water. And this one was caught in in the midst of that. And so the fish came up, and this stream was coming out. And he thought it would be really funny to hold the fish over my head while this was going on. And so he stood up and swung the fish around. And he was laughing so hard that he tripped did a backward somersault, you know, just like on, sea, oh, you're too young for sea hunt, but, um, you know, they, he, he did a backward somersault into the lake with the fishing rod and the fish still in his hands. And uh, then it was my turn to laugh, and uh, unfortunately he, he was not swallowed by a whale or even bitten by a sturgeon, something, um, and we got him out of the boat. I don't think there's ever been a story like, like this one. Uh, There are many skeptics of this story who say it really didn't happen. And, you know, there are are Christians that that try and argue this story by by trying to figure out how this could really happen. And so, you know, there's a story, you maybe heard this, and I came across this story many times about uh, back in the late 1800s, there was a whaling boat, and they, they, they speared this whale, and two men fell overboard, and one drowned, and the other disappeared. They didn't know where he was. And so, you know, as the story went, a couple days later, they were cleaning this whale, and lo and behold, they found this sailor in the stomach of the whale. And he was still, he was unconscious, but still alive. And uh, he was revived. And so, people go, see, it can happen. It is possible. I'm going, but, but this is God. I mean, what if we did that with, with you know, how, how does, what if we tried to figure out how, you know, a, a third of the rivers in Egypt could turn to blood or, or how the seas could part and, and people could go across or how you can get millions of gallons of water out of a rock or how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could survive in a furnace. It was so hot that the men that threw them in there were consumed just getting as close as they did to the fire or the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
So, see, I don't have a problem. I don't, I don't need to figure out how this could happen to believe it happened. Uh, God is a God of miracles. He goes beyond the natural. It says God appointed, some, some texts say God prepared the fish. So who knows? Maybe this was one of a kind. Maybe this was one fish God created for this purpose in time. Or maybe he did, you know, like a, you know, like a conversion van, maybe he converted the fish. So it would work. We don't know how he did it, but the text tells us that God did it. Jesus references this story. He said, this is the one sign I'll give you. It's a sign of Jonah. As he was in the belly for three days, I don't think Jesus was referring to a, a fable at that point. I think he was referring to a real historical event. Happened to a real man fleeing on a real ship who's thrown into a real sea, swallowed by a real whale, and was vomited up on a real beach. This was something that, that happened, and the Lord gave it to us to teach us a lesson. Well, we're going through this, and we're extrapolating some, some key things about what it means to share your faith. Last week, we looked at the first one, and that is God calls his people to go. God asked Jonah to go. Jonah said, no. The onus is on us. The responsibility is on us. Jesus said the same thing to us that he said to Jonah. It maybe wasn't to Nineveh, but he tells us that we are to go. Preach the gospel to all nations. And that, that picture that the skit referred to of, you know, it's kind of sobering to think about these men up on the deck praying to their false gods, not having any idea what to do. And Jonah with the answer is sleeping under the deck. And perhaps on some level that is a picture of, of the church today, that we're asleep and people today are out there trying all kinds of gods and none of them are working for the storms in their life. So what can we learn from chapter 2? Chapter 1 is that we are called to go. What do we learn from this man with seaweed around his neck, crying out in the belly of this fish? And by the way, it's a great fish. It doesn't, doesn't say it was a whale. We assume it was a whale, but it was a great fish is what the Hebrew word uh, means there. Well, obviously we learn the lesson it doesn't pay to run from God. But I think the situation that we see here is that, like Jonah, we have all run from God. You have run from God. I have run from God. Uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each, and listen to this phrase, each of us has turned to his own way. Have you ever turned to your own way? Have you ever lived your life just doing your own thing? That, that's a very relatable phrase there. I think all of us can relate to doing our own thing, which means not doing the thing that God has called us to do. And so in chapter 2, here's what he says from inside of the fish. And it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. I, I think that's what most of us would be doing inside of a fish. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will again look 
toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Just imagine what what that would have been like to, to go through this experience. You're thrown into the sea, all of a sudden you're under the water, the waves are breaking over, you can't get enough breath, you begin to take in water and you're thinking, this is it. This is the end of my life. All of a sudden you're sinking down and you're, you're in the seaweed and things are starting to get kind of uh, like they do when you start to run out of oxygen. And, and all of a sudden you feel this incredible sensation like something just surrounded you or came over you and all of a sudden you're sliding down some, some, like a, a water slide that's all around you and all of a sudden you realize you're, you're in something that's alive. Because inside that fish you can hear the sound of the blood and the heart pumping through the veins of that fish. And it is slimy and it is claustrophobic. You know, you see these pictures of Jonah in the belly of the whale and he has a little table and a chair and he's reading by a light. You ever seen those? Folks, that was not what it was like. A stomach is only as big as the food that's in it. So, you know, the lining of the stomach is wrapped around his whole body. It is dark. It is humid. You know what the temperature is inside of a fish? 96 to 99 degrees. So, it is hot in there. And it is black in there. But the amazing thing is, all of a sudden, Jonah is able to take a breath. So what's the point that we learn from this experience in chapter 2? Well, here's the point, point number two. Before we can go and share the gospel, we need to experience the gospel. And part of the problem for some of us, why we don't share the gospel is, is that we're not experiencing the gospel. Oh, we kind of know, yeah, I know Jesus came and died for my sins, and one day I'll go to heaven, but I'm talking about experiencing the reality of what really happened. I'm, I'm talking about experiencing what the gospel really means. I'm talking about beginning, just beginning to grasp the reality of what it means to be completely forgiven, to be completely loved, to have a secure future, and all of the implications of the gospel the kind of understanding of the gospel that just gives us this passion to share. You know, like when you had a problem and it was very painful and, and you found a solution and, and now you're better and you run into somebody with the same problem and, and you just can't help but tell them what helped you. That should be our experience of the gospel. 
And so it starts with realizing the painful situation. And so what we have here in chapter 2 is really a mini experience of salvation for Jonah before he shares salvation with the Ninevites. And so the first point of it we see here relates to, well, let me quote Romans 3, 10 through 12. These are the words, there is no one righteous, no one righteous. That's an amazing statement. There's no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. There you see that phrase again. We have all turned away. We've turned to our own way. We are all rebels. Our problem is not so much our sins as it is our sin. And let me explain what I mean by that. Specific sins, you know, all of the sins that we c- could commit are just manifestations of the primary sin of our lives. And the primary sin of our lives is that we have gone our own way. We have this independent spirit. We have this sinful nature which does not acknowledge God for who he is. As Aaron shared earlier, our basic sin is that we think we're big. And what we need to learn is we are very, very, very small because there is someone else out there way bigger than we are. That's the core problem with each of us in our lives. Uh, Let me ask you a question. When you think about Jesus' life and you think about how he came down hard on people for their sin, who did he come down hardest on? Was it the drunks? Was it people in prison? Was it people with crude language? Was it adulterers? He came down hardest on religious people. Isn't that true? Read his words. His hardest words were for religious people. You know, you challenge somebody who's bad, that they're bad, and they'll probably say, yeah, you're right, so what? You challenge somebody who's good, that they're bad, and they'll kill you. At least that's what they did to Jesus. And so it was the Pharisees, you know, that were so angry because they were trying so hard. So here's the point. You can look really, really good and still be in complete rebellion against God. Or you can look really, really bad and be in complete rebellion against God. But I think it's very possible that some of the greatest sinners right now this morning are not sitting in prison, but are sitting in church. And there are people who have decided that they're going to do their own thing and they're going to look good. You can look very good, you can look very bad. It's all the same if it flows from a rebellious heart. Uh, A heart whose predominant bent is to live for the glory of oneself instead of the glory of God. And that was Satan's sin. And what did Satan do? He wanted more glory for himself. That is the primary sin of man. So the first one is this. I'm just going to mention there are three things here, three phases that, that Jonah goes through. Number one is, we cry out in our distress. Verse 2, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from the depths of the grave. This is what we call repentance. This is where, you know, we we come from this place where we've just landed in in the belly of our own fish. 
as a result of running from God, from God, rebelling against God. You know what? You can be a Friday night drunk or you can be a pastor of a church and either way, you can be running from God. You can find yourself in this place. Jonah acknowledges the desperateness of his situation. And, and you notice here that he, you know, he says, in my distress. And you get this feeling of surrender. I mean, Jonah here is surrendering himself to God. Everything significant that has happened in my life has come out of a time of surrender. And it's usually been a time when I've listened, had to listen to God. Sometimes I chose to listen to God. And sometimes God made me listen to him. And it was through the pain in my life that God brought me to that place. Here's Jonah. He's in this incredible place of pain, and he's finally listening to God. God had to take him down. And you read that phrase? He went down to the ship, then he went down in the ship, then he went down in the water, then he went down in the belly of the whale, and then he went down to Sheol. You talk about being taken down? Jonah got taken down by God, and God will take you down to that place where you finally say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? I'm ready to do what you will tell me to do. And, you know, God's not going to probably tell us what to do until he knows that we're ready to listen. Repentance is coming to that place where we realize our only hope is in him. I love the story of the little girl. On, she's on the street corner, and she was telling people the Bible was true, and this, this uh, skeptic came along. He was going to have a little fun with her. He said, well, so what about the story of Jonah? How do you know that's true? How can you prove that's true? I mean, how did that happen? She said, well, I don't know. Someday when I go to heaven, I'll ask him. So, well, if he isn't in heaven, what if he's in hell? She said, well, then you could ask him. <laughs> Be thankful for the times when God puts you in the belly because you know, and, and ultimately, if we don't go there, one day, one day we go down to that place called Sheol. We can be thankful that God gives us those little places prior to that to wake us up, to get us to listen, to surrender our lives. And so the first step here is, is being put in that kind of a place, a place of repentance. The second one, I, I jump over to verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. The second step in salvation is not only realizing where you are, but realizing that God is offering you his grace. That's the second step. If you don't realize that, you'll never come to salvation. You may try to be good enough for God, or you may adopt some form of religiosity, but it's understanding that God is holding out grace to you. And so Jonah realizes he has two options. He can either serve the one true God and experience grace, or he can choose these idols and experience worthlessness. I love that phrase. He says that those who cling to worthless idols, worthless idols. And so we see here, what happens is that Jonah realizes how gracious God has been to him. Here he, he ran from God, he deserves the punishment of God, he gets thrown overboard into the water. And obviously, God is punishing him and then he remembers in the belly of the whale, he looks back and, and he sees what God has done. God has just miraculously, 
When you talk about a miraculous way to save you, through being swallowed by a fish and preserved in the whale. Greg Laurie was sharing a clip this last week of his wife. She accepted the Lord as a little girl, and then she walked away, and, and, and she was 16 years old, and she was walking with a friend, and this guy walked by with a Bible under his arm. And she said to her friend, she said, you know, I remember. She just started reminiscing. I remember back when I accepted Jesus. It was, I was just scared of something in my life, and, and that, that was like the best time of my life and she started talking about it. she got done talking and her friend said I want what you had and so in that moment she, she prayed with her friend to receive Christ and, and she rededicated her life to Christ there are many testimonies that you can hear of people who you know they made it in money or fame or sports or whatever it was and, and they, they look back and they say you know they those are just worthless things in my life. They, they did not answer what, what God was wanting to do. They, were, they did not answer that, that thing that was crying out inside of my life. And that thing that you and I are crying out for is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Finding salvation is, is not just repentance. And it's not just acknowledging that you've been running away from God. It's believing that there's a grace out there now that can be yours that God is gracious and that he is good, that he is a God of second chances and third chances and, and fourth chances and fifth chances. And every day of our lives, we get up every day. You should wake up in the morning and say, God, I thank you for your grace today. Every day, God, I thank you for your grace today. You know, not just 20 years ago when I accepted you. Every day of my life, your, your mercies are new every morning, the Bible said. That should be something that, that, that we always remember. And the power to live out the Christian life does not come from giving you a set of rules in your life. The power to live it out comes from the grace. The power to not sin comes from the realization that if you do sin, you can be forgiven. So the first step is repentance. The second is coming to believe in the grace God has for you. And the final step, the final step is to take it. And, and live your life in response to it. Jonah here in verse 9, But I, with song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. He's acknowledging here, this salvation is for me in my life. And he's responding to God out of that. And he says, God, I'm going to do the things I said. You know, we can imagine uh, there were some vows there that Jonah made in that belly of that whale. The God, I'm going to do it because salvation comes from you. I will go to Nineveh. I will be the prophet you called. Psalm 116, 12 through 14. You read along with me. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And this is, this is from the psalm, but it just reflects here, mirrors what Jonah's saying. I'll lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. So, so this, is the, this is the spirit of what it means to come to God. It means to come and say, God, what do you want from me? God says, lift up your cup and let me fill it. Take it, receive it. 
And then go and live out your life in response to that. Fulfill those vows that you made in response to my goodness to you. That, in a nutshell, is the essence of the Christian life. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, It is by grace you've been saved. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. And then the next verse, sometimes we, we, we forget verse 10. Not by works, lest anyone should boast, and you are his workmanship created for good works. It's not by works, you're created for works. It's not by works in terms of your salvation. It is by works in terms of our responding to what God has given to us. And we see here that now Jonah's ready. I wanted, to, I wanted to just share a testimony with you here as to end this morning. <clears throat> and uh, so I'm going to have you listen to a girl named Blair. And I love this testimony because you're going to see in her life how you can try to be good or you can try and be bad, that your rebellion can look either way, but it will never be satisfied until the grace of God touches that thing inside of your heart. And it's a very moving story. I'd like you to listen as we conclude to the uh, testimony of Blair. <clears throat> I was raised in this sweet little house.